Good morning again. Uh, I'm excited to share this morning. Mike asked me this morning, Mike who's on worship, asked me this morning what I'm sharing or how I was feeling about my sermon. How did it go getting ready this week? And I told him, well, I was sick for most of the week. So, you know, some of the middle part of my sermon started getting kind of dark and I was getting into hell and damnation because of my <laughs> sickness. But then I told him, but you know, yesterday I felt better and I tweaked it. I've come out of it. The sermon is much more in grace, in love. So thank the Lord. Thank <laughs> Thankful for all of you. But uh, no, I'm excited to share. And I loved how the theme of grace and freedom kept coming through in the worship this morning. And God's saying the same thing. I love when that happens. But before I start, I do want to say that I felt all week, but this morning and yesterday when I was preparing, that God wants us to be captivated with him again. That for some of us, or all of us, that Jesus wants us to be captivated by him. And it came through in what Kalina shared so beautifully in the worship as well. But Jesus wanted to bring us back to that place of just being caught up. Caught up with him. Caught up with who he is. You know, we get so busy, and this is that busy time of the year, right? And there's problems, and there's stresses, and there's so much. There's all the school running, and the soccer running and the, all whatever you have to run to and the work pressures. But Jesus wants to, to, us to be captivated by him again and go to that place with him, not being overwhelmed by life problems and life, but being overwhelmed by him, overwhelmed by him. And I had to remind myself to be overwhelmed by Jesus and not everything else that we tend to get overwhelmed by. So I want to read Psalm 27, which... God just brought me to this week. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high on a rock. And I felt that for us this morning. What a beautiful psalm and promise that is. We find safety with Jesus. We gaze on his beauty, see him afresh. So that was just before I started my message. I had that for us this morning, and I'm already crying. But if that's for you, I want to encourage you this morning. Be caught up with Jesus. So I'm sharing out of Galatians 5, like you said. And Galatians 5 is awesome. It's the freedom, you know, freedom chapter. I love this chapter. I love freedom. And hopefully I don't offend anyone this morning. Um, but I, it starts off strong with right in chapter, um, verse one, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't be enslaved by a yoke, right? Again. So it starts off so strong. Stand firm in your freedom. And if you've been following the study, you'll know that Paul is fervently and passionately admonishing the Galatians to stand firm in their freedom, to not go back. To be. So the Galatians started strong. They got saved. They came out of religion. They were freed, set free. But they slowly started going back into some of the law and wanting to go back to following the law, the Mosaic law, essentially trying to add on to their salvation. As if they're saying, we're saved, but maybe just to be sure, we'll also get circumcised or we'll also do something else. We'll follow this one extra law. So adding some of their human effort to the gospel. And you guys know this if you've been following along in the study. But Paul is so strongly against it. I love Paul. He's so passionate and so, you know, black and white about everything. He goes so far to say that if they even want to 
follow one of the Mosaic laws, keep one of the commands, they have to keep the whole law. Because basically, he's saying, if they're trying to rely any on their human effort, any on themselves, any on what they can do to save themselves, they have to keep the whole law, the whole law to be perfect, to be saved, which we know is not possible. But it's either you're saved, you receive the free gift of salvation, totally free, or you rely on yourself and you have to keep the law 100%. And Paul is so firm that this would be, if they are putting their faith in something they can do, then Christ is no use to them. They're rejecting Jesus. For the Galatians, it was circumcision, but some of us or people we know, maybe it's like, well, I think I'm saved because of Jesus, but just to be sure, I'll go to church all the time. Or I'll rely on the fact that my parents were saved. Or I was baptized. We add on. People can add on also or think that they're adding on. And of course, I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm just saying that's not how we go to church. We don't go to church thinking that that's somehow making us in a religious way. That's somehow making us righteous or okay to God, right? We're saved by faith in Jesus alone. Some translations say by the faithfulness of Jesus alone. And I love that because that's even our own faith can waver and be up and down. But when we're relying and trusting fully on the faithfulness of Jesus, we're trusting 100% in him and his faithfulness. He's faithful to save. He was faithful in going to the cross. He's faithful to keep us as well. So trusting in the faithfulness of Jesus is where all our hope and our trust is. The gospel is offensive. It can even be offensive to believers or people who think they're free because it sounds like you're preaching licentiousness, right? Or that sin doesn't matter or a little too much grace because of a gospel not based on anything I do or anything I bring to the table. You know, that doesn't sound right. It sounds like people can pretty much do whatever they want, right? And if the gospel that we preach does not offend, we need to wonder if we're preaching the true gospel because it is offensive. It's shocking. The grace that Jesus gives is shocking. That the worst of sinner can come to Jesus and that day be saved, clean slate, set free, forgiven, um, past dealt with, made a son, given an heir, given all the status of a son, having done nothing to earn it. That is shocking grace. I love that. And that's good, because it means we're preaching a gospel of salvation by grace and not works. Think of the thief on the cross. When Jesus, it's such a beautiful picture, but when Jesus had finished the work, he had paid the price. He had paid the price, and the thief turned to him, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He granted him salvation that day, and he was a person who probably lived a self-centered life, thinking only of himself, probably deceitful, and did all kinds of wrong. But Jesus gave him salvation that day as he died, and he couldn't get off the cross and go right any wrongs. He couldn't say sorry for anything to anyone. And he couldn't go do one good thing for the Lord. But today, you're with me in paradise. Same status as all of anyone who knows Jesus. That's amazing. That's amazing grace. In our hearts, if that's hard to accept, then we possibly rely somewhat on ourselves or what we can bring. Our graciousness towards others should be shocking. Paul says... We're called to freedom and stand firm. Verse 13. Oh, I didn't write slides. I just realized that. Verse 13. I'll read the verses to you, or you can look into Galatians 5 on your phone or Bible so you know I'm speaking the actual verses out of the Bible. 
Verse 13 is, for you were called to freedom, brothers. What are we free from? And I know everyone who's preached all this series has covered a lot of the things we're free from, but I'm going to say some of them again today. It's just good to hear again. We're free from condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We can't be condemned. We can't be condemned. And we can stand firm even when the enemy comes and he reminds us of our mistakes in our past. We can stand firm and say, I'm free because of Jesus. I'm free because of Jesus. We can't be condemned. That's amazing. Fear, uh, free from fear. Fear is everywhere. But we're free from fear of punishment, I want to say, this morning. Punishment. If you're like me, I have some of those moments in my life where I'm going through something and I think, I'm probably going through this because some kind of payback for what I did before Christ or when I knew the Lord and I backslid and I did this thing and I was doing these things and this is God's, I deserve this. This is God paying me back. That is not right thinking. Jesus took the punishment. All of our mistakes were dealt with on the cross, and it was redeemed. Our past was redeemed on, at the cross, everything. Clean slate. That's not a correct view. Jesus took our punishment upon himself. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Jesus took it on himself, Isaiah says, Isaiah 53. We're also free from uh, fear about the future. How many know you're not free if you're always worried about what's going to happen after I die? That's not very free. That's hard to be free, right? It's hard when you're afraid of the unknown or what's to come. But we don't have, we are free in that way. My kids get afraid. I think I've shared with you guys before. We always tell them uh, when they have fear or bad dreams or they're afraid at night, um, we just encourage them that God says, his perfect love casts out fear. So to come to him and say, I trust in your perfect love for me, Jesus. And that casts fear. It has to. When you say, I'm trusting in your perfect love for me, I'm not going to be afraid. Fear has to go. We get them to say it, but we as adults, we still need to give our fears to God. We still, I still get gripped with fear. Or I wake in the night and I worry about something. You know, I get gripped with fear about my kids or things. And I get anxiety. I don't want them to battle the same things that I battle. So then we get gripped with fear. But we also need to trust in Jesus' perfect love for us, just the same as we tell our kids. Fear is everywhere. I mean, our world is so gripped by fear. And the media and the news and everyone, the enemy preys on people's fear. Fear of everything. I mean, I could, there's things like you don't want to fly because of this. You don't want to do this because of that. You know, you got to be afraid. People wearing the masks on their mouth. I mean, there's fear everywhere. Fear of the end of the world, so much of that. Um, we are not to be afraid. We're the children of God. We're the children of God. We have the answer. And fear keeps you in a small contained space. It wants to keep us there in this teeny little space. But God wants us to say, I'm running with my mighty God, my big, my faithful God, who is big and strong and powerful. We're free from sin. I know it may not feel like it. Sometimes we still battle sin. But we're free from the dominion of sin. We're not in the dominion and the rule of sin anymore. We're not a slave to it. We're not under it. 
It doesn't have the same power over us that it used to have. We're free from sin. And we're also free from human tradition and culture. And this is a, it's a small one, but it's a big one. It's a small one in Galatians because we see that the Galatians no longer have to follow um, human or Jewish customs when it comes to the food they eat and to being circumcised and what days they have to keep and holidays and all that. They're actually free. They don't have to do that anymore. In the same way, we're free from culture and tradition as well if we want to be. We can be. We are. Jesus says we are. There is culture everywhere. In this area is strong religious culture, right? There's a lot of religion here, a lot of unspoken rules and ways and ways you have to act and behave and people you got to fit in with. It's a beautiful neighborhood, but there is a lot of religious culture. And there's so much pressure to conform to our culture. Everywhere you go, we're supposed to embrace everything. We're supposed to embrace everything and be afraid to speak up. But everything's acceptable except for Jesus, right? Jesus is not acceptable, but everything else has to go. No matter how outland, out, far out there it is, we're supposed to be okay with it. But not Jesus. We have a friend whose son is um, in high school, and his, his classroom teacher asked him to do a paper on someone famous that they look up to. And he did his paper on Jesus. Such a courageous 16-year-old boy, right? He did his paper on Jesus. I love that. And uh, the teacher rejected it. They said, no, because he's not real. It has to be a real person. And he stood his ground. He said, I'm not redoing it. I'm, this is who I'm writing on, Jesus. But this is the culture that we're in. It wants to keep us down, holding back, suppressed, shrinking back. And then we forget who we are that we're children of God and we're free. We don't have to fit in here. We don't have to fit in to any culture, actually, except for kingdom culture, Jesus' kingdom. Planting a church here, you can feel the religion. You can feel, um, you know, the skeptics, the cynics, the critics, the, just the lack of belief, and then even questioning whether you're qualified. You can feel all that, and after a while, you can forget who you are, and we've, we forget we, all believers, can forget who we are. We don't have to fit in with the popular crowd or be understood with everyone. If we're rejected, it's a win. That's a win in the kingdom. And I have to remind myself that I don't want to be rejected. I like to be liked by everyone. But we, it's a win in the kingdom. If people reject us because of Jesus, we don't have to fit in with the popular people. It's okay. Pressure to conform. I'm telling myself that. I have to tell myself that all the time. And we are free not to shrink back because of the culture, but to rise up in courage and boldness. Not making a big deal out of all the things that Christians can make a big deal out of and fighting every battle, but because of Jesus, we can rise up in courage and boldness about Jesus. I'm not saying rebel against every tradition just for the sake of it. I'm not saying tradition's wrong, but just know we can choose to be free. We don't have to worry what people think. Pleasing our boss, that's another one. Have to get in good with the boss so that I can get ahead, right? Rather than trusting in God for your promotion. It's so hard, but I know we have testimony of this. So I've shared it with you guys, most of you already, but Hugh was in a really, really tough job for Maybe three or five years, I can't remember now, but his boss, we both felt 
that God revealed to us that his boss was working against him, like tarnishing his name in the industry, trying to keep him hidden, taking credit for his work. Um, and that's a really big deal in the industry because it's relational, so everybody knows you. And it was hard, and then it, somebody actually confirmed it to us, a person who didn't know the situation confirmed it to us with a prophetic word that they had. So it made it clear to us this was happening. But he stayed in the job, and we stayed because we were like, you know what? We could fight. We could do this. We're just going to trust God. God is going to take us out of this, take him out of this. And it was hard, and it was a couple years of praying and trusting. But then when God did, in his time, provide a different a way out and a better job, it was much more favor than we could have ever even asked or hoped for because we left it in God's hands and we trusted him for our safety, our protection. And he's faithful. So work as if working for the Lord. Work for him. Work for God. So we should enjoy our freedom. We should enjoy our freedom. We're free. <laughs> we should enjoy it. Have fun. Our family is fun. I mean, I'm not saying that in a in a proud way. It didn't come out right. But in our home, we have fun. Like, we have fun. It might offend some of you, but some of the things that me and the kids do to crack up laughing is insult each other and one-up our insults. I mean, we say the worst things to each other. We one-up each other. But it is, they're cracking up hysterical on the floor, and I'm laughing hysterically. And I just think about sometimes how we just take ourselves too serious. But have fun. Have fun with your families. Have fun with the people you love. If you're not happy or smiling. Sometimes we're not living in the freedom that we have. I'm not talking about grieving. I'm not talking about bad situations that, have, that obviously require, you know, time. But I'm talking about in general, just like a state of living. Have fun. And I have to tell myself that. And if we're not, sometimes we can be so down. Christians can. Who wants to join a church that's down people? I don't. <laughs> How can we tell the world to come in? Like, well, <laughs> sometimes we're taking ourselves too serious, right? I always tell Hugh that. And I have to tell myself that. I have to tell myself that. This week was serious because I was sick. And when you're sick, you know how it's like God is against you, but he's actually not. You're just sick. <laughs> so laugh in your homes. Don't be too serious. Don't be per try to be perfect, right? That's what I tell myself, too. We don't have to be perfect. Jesus is perfect. Just saying. It's not just what we're freed out of. It's what we're freed into. So we talked about what we're freed out of, but we're freed with purpose. We're freed with a purpose. And it's to love and to serve. That's what Galatians says. It's to give. It's to not hold back. Holding back means we're not free. Right? When we hold our love or we hold things self-preserving, that means we're not free. I don't know how else to look at it. We're self-protecting. But let me read the verse. Verse 13. And I know because I was that person who was always holding back. I know. And that's not a nice place to live. Verse 13. Only do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Before he said, love your neighbor as yourself, he said, love and serve one another humbly. The one another is us. That's why local church family is so important. Where do you serve? Where do you love? 
where do you give? And it's your local church family that God's placed you in. And then love your neighbor as yourself. But we have to love one another. We have to love one another. God cares about that. I just had my 40th birthday. Um, and lots of you were there to celebrate. It was nice. But uh, it was an epic four days of celebrating. It really was. Um, Hugh was amazing and wonderful and went above and beyond. I did tell him it mattered to me, but he did still go above and beyond. <laughs> I was honest. <laughs> uh, he did. It was, and he, he flew in my, well, we didn't fly around, but he invited my best friend from college, and she came and spent the weekend. My parents were here for the weekend. Most of you, a lot of you, were at a party to celebrate, and I got words and cards and notes and sweet gestures, and it was like eating out all the time. I didn't lift my finger at home. I didn't have to do a thing. It was, he was doing everything with the kids. He was, it was just four days of amazing. Everyone was just, and I was so happy. <laughs> I was so loving afterwards. I was gushing love for Hugh. I was so patient with the kids. I was so, I even had love for the dog. I mean, I was more loving for the dog even. I love the dog, but you know what I mean. I even had more. I was like, oh, Pepper, instead of like, get away. <laughs> and it's because I was so filled. I was filled to overflowing. My love tank was full. And I thought in that moment, this is how we need to be because we've been with the Father. We need to be with the Father so that our love tank can just be overflowing. Let him gush over us. Let him just share his delight and his pleasure with us. And we don't even have to do it just on our birthday. Just be with the Father so we can love. We don't love one another with a human love. We don't. It's God's love. But we need to be with the Father and let him just gush over us and be filled to overflowing. I was reminded of that this week because that was quickly gone once school set in and the, the routine. All of a sudden, I wasn't quite as patient and not quite as nice anymore. <laughs> it's like, I need to be with the Father. I need to go be with Jesus. The Bible says, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's how we love each other, with God's love. Um, I was also thinking this week of a neighbor that was at our block party a few weeks ago. We probably hung out with her three, her and her husband and their two kids. We maybe hung out with them three times in three years. We haven't been in this neighborhood long, like had dinner with them. And she was saying, you know, we got to chatting. And she was like, let's get together again, like people do. Let's get together. So... She said, you want to get together? So I said, yeah, it's great. And then she said, you know, it's just so nice to be with people who make you feel known and like you can be yourself. And I was like, we don't know them. But they, you know, we don't know them. I mean, they, we've had three dinners. That's because they're picking up on the love of the Father. If we've been with the Father, we carry something of his love, and people feel known and like they can be themselves without us having to, you know, spend every weekend with them. They know the love of the Father. It's not a human love. And God's love makes people feel accepted, right? Husbands and wives, love each other. 
I have to say, I know it's touchy, but love each other. Love each other. Find out what makes, and we're not, perf we don't, I, we need to say this to each other. In fact, right now I'm going to stick a few things in there that are for you. But like, <laughs> just kidding. Love one another. Sacrificially. Find out what makes them feel loved and do it. Just serve and love each other. Sacrificially. We give to everyone else, but we need to give to that relationship. We need to give to the marriage relationship. I know for Hugh, he loves when the house is picked up. You have a long list. I started writing a bunch of stuff down. It's a lot. No, I'm just kidding. He loves when the house is picked up. He loves when he comes home and there's dinner happening, so he knows he's going to get to eat that night. He loves, <laughs> he loves when I give him my undivided attention and listen. I am actually listening instead of being distracted, you know, when he's talking to me by a million things. He loves when he comes home and instead of being grumpy and venting and unloading my day, I'm happy and I greet him and, you know, instead of just what we normally want to do, which is just like, bleh. <laughs> So these are things that make him feel loved, so I try to do them. And I feel loved by small, like, romantic gestures. I have a lot, too. Quality time. Help with the kids in the evening when I'm tired. He helps with the dishes. Like, those are the things that make me feel loved. Coffee in the morning, when he makes the coffee. So serve each other practically. If it's clean laundry that your husband and wife wants, then just do the laundry. If it's help with the kids in the evening, then just do it. Serve and love sacrificially. That's what I'm trying to say. Serve one another. If you're single, find ways to serve and love. There's lots of ways to serve and love each other. Making meals for someone who's sick, taking someone for coffee, bringing flowers, a birthday you know, gift or a card, just saying you're thinking of someone, encouraging them. There's lots of ways we can love. Help with moving. There's so many ways. 1 Corinthians 13 is about love. And it's not just for marriage. It's not just to be read at a, a wedding. It's for the church of Jesus to love each other. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, and always hopes, and always perseveres. Isn't that beautiful? We want to be honoring of each other not dishonoring, patient, not easily angered or easily offended. When we love each other, we're not hypersensitive. We forgive quickly instead of keeping a long list. Forgiveness is freedom. It's impossible to walk in freedom when we don't forgive. Forgiveness is so big in the kingdom of God, so big, and it's such a hold for people. It's impossible to live free when we hold unforgiveness. And I know sometimes God still reveals things to me that I need to forgive and let go. So it's not like a once and done thing. I feel like it's an everyday thing just to forgive. Love protects. We protect each other. We trust one another. Everyone lets us down. Everyone is going to let us down. Everyone is going to let us down. And I had actually um, a leader. You guys, some of you know her, Debs. She's a full of wise little nuggets. She's a leader. Um, she was one of my leaders. And I remember talking about my hurts and my issues with trust. And, and she's just so 
casually relaxed, just said, you have to trust somebody. And it was like, duh, what am I thinking? Of course, like everybody's gonna get hurt and hurt us or let us down in some way, but you have to trust somebody. What's a life when you don't trust anybody? And is that free? It's not actually free, right? And I know it's hard. I know it's hard because I was super hard in my heart, completely hard in my heart and blocked up. So I speak from the experience. The opposite of love. So Paul goes back, let's go back to Galatians. Anyway, so we're using our freedom to love and serve, to do good things once we're set free. The opposite of love, verse 14. But if you bite and devour one another, so strong. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. (laughs) That's just so strong (laughs) to me. Okay, so legalism breeds quarrelsome people, right? Petty, small, bickering, fighting over every little thing, people. That's what legalism breeds, and that's what happened to the Galatians. They started off in freedom. They started off in grace. They started off in love. And then they started going back into the law and became quarrelsome, fighting and devouring each other. This just sounds so horrible. I grew up in a church, uh, a couple churches, a few churches. Just checking my, oh, it's already, oh gosh, okay. I'll keep going. All right, I'm getting close. I grew up in a church where there was a church split over homeschooling. I mean, because that's in the Bible, right? Homeschooling. It's not in the Bible. So it's like, how can you, you know, what are, I mean, how? But there was, it was a small church, and, you know, there's, so the ones who were felt insecure, uh, felt superior a bit, or were critical of the schools, and the ones who weren't felt insecure that, you know, they were being judged. Anyway, just the smallest stuff that people, and it became these two groups, and I mean, it was terrible. The relationships that lasted a lifetime broken. And I mean, it was just devastating. It was very sad. But people can bicker about the smallest things when you're being religious. Political views, your kids watch Pokemon, tattoos, piercings, whether you drink or not, judging people how you spend their money, how you spend their time. Holy Spirit stuff, that's a big one that causes people to bicker. Um, but if Jesus came and was perfect and could cross culture, cross skin color, cross preferences, surely we can get past our small differences, right? And not have to police everybody, but just major on Jesus and not major on the minor things. And that's why I exhort you guys, and that's, I know that's what we feel strongly. If it's in the Bible, we're non-compromising. But otherwise, we're free. We're free. So Paul is specific about what not to use our freedom for. We're not to indulge the flesh. And it's not small things. It's big things. We don't have to wonder. It's not saying heck or hell. You know, it's not like, it's not, he's not, those are not the things that he's like, don't use your freedom to say the word heck. So he's, he's, maybe I'm the only one who knows Christians that think heck is bad. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Um, Verse 19, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. Jealousy is an indulgence of the flesh. We're not supposed to indulge. Not that we don't feel it, but we're not supposed to go there. We're supposed to repent of it. Fits of rage, letting our whole self be overtaken by anger and allowing ourselves to just be filled with rage. 
giving into the flesh, indulging the flesh, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Those are big things. And those are the things we're not supposed to use our freedom from or for. So for me, that's very freeing because I don't need to wonder, what can I do, what can't I do? Why well, can't I do these things? And then we're supposed to live self-controlled lives. Live self-controlled lives, not indulging in these things, not indulging the flesh. But instead, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and our lives will produce fruit. The Spirit will produce fruit in our lives. Fruit of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 24 and 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit.